Paul and Shamina, and welcome back for Head Boss in Charge. Okay, that was a little loud, but I'm gonna go with it. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're um, actually recording together in the same room since probably January. It's been a minute. I'll just say that. I'm gonna do a little toot of the mic. Um, well, thank God for technology. Right. Um, how you bossing? Because you were about to say it to me. Um, I'm really stressed. Okay. Oh, before we even do that, let's cheers. Oh, um, cheers. Cheers. A little um, mimosa uh, action here. I'm not even going to apologize for what may come as a result of, you know, having mimosas. Well, the last time we drank, we had a really good time. So okay. I'm looking forward to it. I'm here for it. So, I'm looking forward to vacation. I have two more weeks, just 10 more business days to get through before I have my three-week vacation. Um, But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. I'm just trying to get to the end of the year. I'm already starting to reflect on um, this terrible year we had politically, but just reflect on some of the goals that I set at the beginning of the year and trying to define what 2018 is going to be. Um, and it's a little bit harder this year as opposed to last year, just because I feel like I'm about to start another transition year and transition stuff, you know, um, I don't know what it's going to look like and I don't know if it's going to be career, if it's going to be personal, if it's going to be whatnot, but I'm kind of itching to get some more inspiration to figure out what these next steps will be. Um, but I think I'm a little bit more resistance, resistant to the transition as opposed to other transitions in my life you know I think I'm a little fearful for not making the right choice okay well we should talk about that um post it (laughs) yeah post it uh because I've been thinking about that too um and you know Mercury is about to go into retrograde for the last time in this year no more retrograde so fucking up my life starts December 3rd so just to make sure that people know take a look at that so being mindful of big any major or big decisions or contracts that you have to sign or get involved in. Um, so just like every... And I'm not even really into that kind of stuff, but I saw it the other day and I was like, we're about to go into another one as we close out the, the calendar year. Um, I think it was around this time last year. I remember it was like October, November, I think. I don't know. I, I choose to forget those things until the, like they're brought up to my attention either on Twitter or Facebook or like catching up on news. So how are you bossing? Um, I'm pretty good. I am work for the most part has been fine. Uh, I've had a bit of a mental shift in how I am approaching work, not the like day to day task stuff, but just like realizing that I am not a tree, so I'm not stuck there. Um, and so it's really kind of changed my mind frame, if that makes sense, of like feeling like all I had was, is my job. And while, and remembering that I can be both frustrated, grateful for the, the position and want more. Like, I don't have to only be grateful cause I don't want to seem ungrateful, but I can be both. Like I can do both of those things. Um, but I want more. Um, and I got into this really, um, deep conversation with a mentor about living in my purpose and then like that person living in their purpose and am I doing that and what might that feel like and short list of things that I know for sure I am not um but it was uh I got to exhale when I said it out loud like I'm not living in that and that's okay to not be in that point but what do I do to start to move forward so I've had a few really introspective conversations around purpose which sounds all big and like oh it's this big ethereal like ooh my purpose but just to stop and make the space and time to think has been um really refreshing so for the most part i'm good my workouts are they stay consistent and running and whatnot so my running is about to amp up in terms of that i think quite a bit my trainer has not put the stuff online yet so i'm a little nervous um but yeah things have been good and i've been feeling a little more calm Right before we go into damn Mercury in retrograde, but fucking shit up. Um. So yeah. What you said about not 
worrying about not being grateful is a very black thing I think and especially since we work in like service type opportunities like when you said that were you referring to like I'm here I'm doing good work I should be grateful for the opportunities that whatever the organization gave to me yeah or to be had to have a job in an environment or a climate that is uncertain especially around people of color that's one of my things a little bit later um with this tax scam bill but I get I think so often like people of color and I will say black people because that's how I identify like there's this narrative that you should just you should be grateful to be in the room and you shouldn't complain and you should just stay in your place and stay in your lane if you will a lot a few episodes ago um but I realize I don't have to be stuck in that right so yeah that makes sense I mean, white people get to be aggressive and not be grateful. Why can't we do that too? Yeah. So we are back for Water Cooler Talk. And this week's topic, I wanted to talk about self-help, but I'm going to backtrack to... um, some podcasts and documentaries I've been listening to. Uh, I just got back from vacation and I've been very, very fascinated with the concept of Scientology. Um, I think over time, Scientology has just been this thing in the media that people try to investigate and figure out what's going on. Um, And Leah Remini, as we know, is doing this show. She just left the church and the show really breaks down in every episode what composes Scientology. Do you know anything about Scientology? I saw the first few episodes of um, that show with Leah Remini on Annie, and then like on Netflix or Hulu. Then they put a lock on the other ones because I don't have an Annie account. <laughs> so I stopped watching when they put the lock on. I was like, I guess I'll know no more. That's real. Just keeping um, it real. So I have a. I don't know what Scientology is because I feel like they legit never explained it. Um, I just saw this drama around this and then Ron L. Hubbard and um, I think I listened to one of the podcasts that you listened to that talked about uh, that show in Scientology and Leah Remini. So So I'll try to summarize it a little bit. Um, I definitely recommend watching the HBO documentary um, Going Clear. Um, It pretty much is the same format as Leah Remini's show, but she... uh, so the, the documentary is two hours and it's very dense. It like hits you hard. I was in the dark watching it alone and oh, it freaked me the no. fuck out. I was hell like, to the no. I'm a broad daylight, <laughs> 9 a.m. Let me watch it. No, never. I will not do that again. But uh, Leah Remini's show uh, dilutes it a little bit. So it doesn't okay. hit you all at once. Um, and then uh, Jade and XD, which is one of my new favorite podcasts, talked about it for two episodes. And in their second episode talking about Scientology, they interviewed Fran from... Uh, I heard that. I heard both of those, yeah. Right. Shout but, out to Fran. Hey, I hope you're listening. Right. Yeah, she's probably not, but... Okay, so... <laughs> to hell with that. She listens. I know. <laughs> so, Scientology was somewhat birthed in, like, the 50s, the 40s and the 50s by L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard, you can kind of think of as the Jesus Christ of... The religion. I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's weird already. And Scientology is actually really appealing to people because it's about self-help and trying to figure out how do I lead a positive life and take out that negative energy that's always surrounding me. So whether it's pain, maybe you got a bad grade, maybe you didn't get a job, maybe uh, you got abused. And it's about taking that negative energy going positive and not letting that negative energy hold you back so they have a lot of books um one of the base uh the the basis of their books is called um dianetics and i'm not exactly clear on what dianetics is but it's this science that l ron hubbard you know created and really dianetics gives you a map of where you go in scientology and so there are different levels um called ot's and each level, you're supposed to get rid of these negative spirits. I'm just giving are, you the look. I'm like, aliens. okay. I'm not going to go too, too in-depth with the alien part. but um, So you go, you go through all the levels. You have to give a lot, a lot of money just to pay for the books, the classes, and whatnot. 
um, you have to go through these exercises a couple times a week called um, auditing. So <laughs> you literally have this machine and these two cans and they measure whether or not you're telling the truth. It's kind of like a lie detector. So an auditor who's trained over you know many years will ask questions about everything about your life. And the point of the questions is to release that negative energy so you can somewhat confess, it's similar to Catholicism, confess and release that negative energy. But while they're doing that, they are taking notes on everything you say and they're recording everything you say. So every member of Scientology has this library of basically everything about their life, all their secrets, and they keep that. People get wrapped into the Scientology. They, they give so much money to it. And pe yeah, people get success from it. And Scientology supposedly helps people. But at the same time, if you suffer in life, it's apparently your fault. So if you get success, it's the church's, you know, a desire to you know bring you to that success and if it's your fault they're gonna put you down i say all of this to say i was thinking about the concept of self-help okay and we have different forms of self-help it may be religion it may be spirituality it may be running or yoga or um reading books or meditating we have so many different forms that i think we created as human beings but it made me think when does self-help go too far right so a lot of people that were interviewed in the Scientology uh, documentary, they said that these things really helped them get out of depression or uh, solve financial crises in their life or build a family, build relationships. That's what they try to sell to you. But the flip side, a lot of these people left because the church said, if you're not going to succeed in this program, you don't deserve to be here. But then they push them out back into despair and negativity, and they're back in that depression. And there's many different stories and examples, but when I think about religion, when does self-help go too far? So I'm going to back up and just let's define what self-help is for you. Way to throw me on the spot there. <laughs> um, well, not to be a complete slick ass, but it's finding ways to help yourself or being aware that you need help in some capacity. And I'm not, I don't take it to like, yeah, faith and spirituality are certainly elements of that. But I think there's a lot of different ways that you can see self-help or self-improvement. Um, I kind of see it as um, finding ways to engage in acts of self-love. Um, that sounded so hokey. And I don't mean like the inappropriate for people under age of self-love. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's finding ways and recognizing that you can't do it all alone. Right. And that there are other people, forces, energies that um, we all rely upon, if, even if we don't want to use the, the name of self-help um, to help propel us forward and to help us um, improve, get better, um, give us the confidence to make changes and things like that. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. And I'll even, I want to expand upon that a little bit uh, is what about the self are you helping? So for me, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's emotional, um, personal. So maybe, you know, career and whatnot. And to keep us balanced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what does balance even mean? I don't think we ever really achieve true balance, but um, the world is a crazy place. And I think we create some of these systems to maybe find purpose or maybe, you know, self-help creates a higher power or, or, you know, such as religion. Um, so, yeah, I agree with your definition. So what, what do you do in your life currently that you define as self-help and it's really important for your day-to-day? -day? Well, first, I don't ever actually use the term self-help. Like, real talk, I don't use the term the term self-help like what do I do to make myself feel like I can continue to progress forward I will say is um I run I run daily right now I run daily well I don't run on Sundays um that's just because that's where my program there's nothing in the calendar for Sundays um but I run I work out um I do some of those in one day like I'll have a run in the morning and a workout in the evening um I try to be mindful of like my food intake and what I'm I'm putting putting in my body. Like doesn't mean I don't have a cookie or some ice cream every now and again, um, but I try to be mindful of those things. Um, 
You know, I actually, I talk to my mom a lot. Uh, I talk to her at least once a day, sometimes twice, just because she is retired and she's in her 70s. And so um, I, um, she's a person who can help center me and help me kind of pivot back to where I need to be um, and where I want to be. Like, she'll throw in a prayer real quick if I'm like, ugh, I'm having a hard day. And she'll be like, stop and let's pray. So I'm like, okay, let me cross the street first and then I'll stop and then we can go through that. Um, I don't pray as much as I want to, um, but I do pray. Um, oddly, something that I do that's real simple is working on remembering to breathe. Mm. Um, yeah, like to inhale, exhale, and okay. like count it out. And my trainer actually was like, you've got to start breathing more. Like even, like during my workouts, you would think you'd be huffing and puffing, but I'm like, holding my breath so I can like lift this heavy ass weight above my head. And he was like, you've got to breathe. You got to practice breathing and like a flow of breathing. So those are just a few of the things that, um, I do. All right. So I, I, you know, I grew up in with, you know, within a really religious family and I had a lot of day to day that was pretty much given to me or mandated of me, like praying every day, reading the Bible every day, going to church every Sunday. And, you know, I've since grown up and left a lot of those things behind. And I think a lot of um, my ritual or rituals, for lack of a better term, uh, I do affirmations every morning um, as I'm on the bus or just, you know, walking to work. I have to tell myself, who, who am I? What am I good at? What am I going to accomplish for the day? <laughs> and um, use that to define the rest of the day. Um my art is really important to me. So okay. my acting, my dancing, um, and photography that I'm dabbling in. And although they're my side projects and I'm trying to f- nurture them into possibly another career, um, right now I don't really see them as a job. I just see them as a way of expressing myself mm-hmm. out of that nine to five, you know, in the workplace. Um, what else do I do? Breathing. That's really good. Um, I'm always reminded to breathe when I'm dancing because, you know, we'll do an eight minute dance set. And I'm like, why am I huffing and puffing so much at the end of the dance set? And it's because I'm not breathing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not living in the moment and understanding how my body relates to the rest of the piece. Um, Theater, you know, whenever we do our warm up exercises beforehand, I get into that meditative state. And we do breathing exercises, we do enunciation exercises, we do everything to really be present. So I'm, you know, really thankful of, you know, that art form to kind of remind me of who I am, but sometimes I don't take it back into my day-to-day life. So um, I feel like there's more music. I think music Mm. is a good self-help. You know, I don't do music as much as I used to. Like since I like got into this like listening to podcast stuff, like I can very easily go an entire day without like listening to music, which is it feels odd when I say that out loud. Yeah. But I'm I've gotten so attuned to like, um, and I am one who like consumes information a lot. So like, if I'm listening, I mean, there's some uh, podcasts that are not like there's not an education a huge educational value to it or whatever. Um, but I'm used to listening and like absorbing information. And so that's how I like, that's how I stay connected to the world. Um, there's so many like artists and music that I hear about or that like I'll see a video that's on something like Twitter or Facebook and I'll be like, oh, I should listen to that. And then I just don't end up doing it. Right. Actually, you know, I, you know, podcasts are definitely part of my ritual um, or practice. Uh, I listen for entertainment purposes. I listen for self-help. I listen for a variety of reasons. Um, So I totally forgot about podcasts. And that's kind of a new development for me. So so you said you don't call it self-help. What do you call it then? If this all fell into a category for you? I don't call it anything. Um, it's just me figuring out the the way to navigate my life and paying attention to what feels good and what doesn't feel good and trying to change the things that don't feel good. So I don't give it a label. I'm not like today I'm going to engage in some self, some self help. Um, or I'm like really focused on my self help in 2018. 
it's just more of a practice of things that I have to be mindful of and pay attention to rather than like a name and something that I'm intentionally trying to do. Right. I, I think self-help is definitely like a buzzword, especially mm-hmm. in the human resources uh, arena because they want to make sure you have balance yeah. and give you self-help yeah. and professional help. But... Well, see, and I see that stuff as self-care. I think that's like the super overused, like I'm going to do engaging in self-care. I'm going to get my nails right. done. And I'm like, I don't know that that's self-care. That's like, that's doing something for yourself. Sure. So you're caring for yourself, I guess, technically. But I think there are, there are tons of things that I think about when I think of self-care. So if, you, if you're like going to the, the human resources or professional route, like people throw self-care around like in higher ed, like that's every third word. Like I can't do that. I have to engage in self-care. And I'm like, so really? Is it self-care? Or are you doing something that you want to do for yourself? Because you haven't figured out how, it, how to fully manage your time. And like, really, how do you even manage time? Because time doesn't change. You do as a person, but yeah, I think that's one of those things like I have to, you know, I'm taking a self-care day. No, I'm I'm out of the office because I don't feel like fucking being there today. Excuse my language. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Totally. A agree. mental health day. I don't want to be there. <laughs> I just don't want to be there for that day. I'm sick of being at work. Yes. But it <laughs> always feels so wrong to say that. You always yeah. have to like. Well, I don't know that. I don't know that I would ever say that to a supervisor because I'd be like. Well, maybe you can come in a little late. Nope, not nope. what I was going nope. for. Nope. Not what I was going for. I do, for a full eight to nine hours, I do not want to be here. So I need to I need to be away mm-hmm. so that hopefully I can come back refreshed. Yeah. This, you know, that's funny because I was talking to a colleague about um, a colleague at some point during my career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not not obvious at all. No. Um, <laughs> about like how we communicate if we're going to be out of the office for whatever reason um there seems to be this like we feel like we as a people feel like we have to over communicate why we're not going to be there like if i am not feeling well like i need to explain like i have a sickness that is inhibiting me from doing xyz and i don't want to i'm out of the office because i don't feel well period you don't even need to say i don't feel well because maybe I feel fine and I just don't feel like I'm sick of working. I'm sick of seeing y'all. I'm sick of looking at my email and I'm going to be out. But that's not acceptable to say, you know, right. but it's just like, <laughs> I don't feel I couldn't sleep. I have an earache. My eye has crust in the right corner and my lower back has a, a tinge in it. Oh my so gosh. I'm going to stay home to recuperate and I will hope to be. This is too much information already. Too I've already much. deleted it after it says <laughs> I look at the subject line, such and such out. Oh okay, then I know that I'm not going to find you that day. So this mimosa is good, BTW. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so with all of that, do you think that... So let's talk about religion a little bit. I think everyone uses religion for many different reasons. Some people use that as a weapon. Some people use that as just for themselves. Some mm-hmm. people use it for community. And... I'm from the school of thought that I think all religions are equal and whatever you need to ground yourself in this crazy world, do it mm-hmm. as long as it's not going to hurt other people. But just with your experience with religion and your family, do you think, well, first, do you think religion can be a source of self-help, self-help or however you want to use that term? Oh, I absolutely think that it is. Um, and it can be, and I think it will continue to be regardless of what, um, the religion is. Um, I actually had a conversation, I was, I chimed in on a conversation from one of my nieces on Facebook, of course. Um, and she asked something about like, are you more like religious or more spiritual? Um, and so, you know, me and my infinite wisdom, I was like, well, I am and can be both. And sometimes I'm neither one. Um, <laughs> I love that response. You I love do the, the both. Yeah. But, well, because we yeah. don't have to choose. Like people want us to like pick a lane, and I don't have to, based sheerly on the fact that I'm grown and I can be in whatever lane I want to when I want to. But I would be foolish of me to say, um, as a person who definitely at this point in my life right now leans more towards the spiritual piece, I can't pretend like religion has not played a role in my spiritual path. And that I don't lean into religion when the, the spirit moves me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but yeah, I think it certainly plays a role and that's how I was brought up. And so I'm not going to like 
shit on religion or people who, you know, engage in religious practice by any means. Like if that's what helps somebody to navigate the world or to deal with the craziness around us, like you said, then by all means do your thing. Like I'm not here to tell you which is right and which is the other. Cause that at the end of whatever day, you got to be responsible for you and I'm going to be responsible for me. You know what I right. mean? So no, I definitely agree. Um, you know, religion definitely shaped me a little bit in terms of like who I value and whatnot. But there was a time when it, you know, some religions have very strict rules. And as I got older, of course, sexuality was such a friction with, uh, uh, growing up in that household. So there is, there's an aspect of religion and self-help where I think people will tell you or they'll, you know, they have the sense of preaching. They need to tell you about the word. They need to change you. Um, I think there are some certain religions where they actually have to do that. So Mormons, mm-hmm. I think, have to go out and preach the word. Uh, you, you see people holding signs and saying Jesus loves you. And what's your opinion on when uh, religion is not about self-help or maybe it's, the goal is to change everyone's minds and get them into that community? Do you think that that helps people to reach out and try to change people whether it's with love or with hate um it just hit me that we're talking about a pretty sensitive topic like generally in terms of religion but anywho my thoughts um i think that i think that religion is you know i see it as man's interpretation of what they read in a Bible, a book, a Quran, or whatever the case may be, whatever, if there's a spiritual like direction, I think it's, it's man or person's interpretation of that and how it should be and how it should look. Um, uh, I, I don't have any strong thoughts one way or the other in terms of, uh, how somebody communicates that. Um, cause if I, I realize that I have a choice of what I want to hear and what I want, I don't, um, how I want to respond or act or how I don't. And I'm okay with that. That will set some people off. Um, especially people who feel like they need to share the word and that everybody needs to be on the same accord. Uh Um, and they can have that. Um, that doesn't simply because they have that doesn't mean I need to engage in that with them. And so that has certainly caused some dissent, um, with people that I know. Um, in terms of my perspective on it or like not kind of following that path that they have tried to lay out for me, if you will. So I'm like, right. you, you just gonna have to be mad and you can be big mad if you want to, but you've done your, like, you can say I fulfilled my part by trying to spread the word. You did that. Right. That doesn't mean everybody's going to follow you. Uh, and some people are <laughs> so, so relentless. Like they'll keep trying, they'll keep pushing. And that's when I see, you know, Christianity and Catholicism, there's so many different branches and some people I think definitely use it as a weapon because maybe they have insecurities about themselves. Mm -hmm. I think some people maybe use it as a platform to be powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of money through, you know, circulating in uh, different religions. Uh, I think of Greenleaf. uh, Oh, love Greenleaf. I'm not fully caught up, but yes. So, so good. Um, It's so trash too, but it's (laughs) so good. Um, But I think of these mega churches and people build their lives off of these. And it gets to the point where it's not about self-help or helping the community. It's about you being potentially selfish um, and trying to get something out of that lifestyle that's not really, wasn't the intention. So, you know, I've grown up in a a home where these things were pressed upon me and as soon as I left it they're still being pressed upon me by certain people okay right so uh I don't care I'm just gonna say it but you know my mom will ask me do you have a bible at home (laughs) uh no and she'll just leave it at that because if she tries to press more we'll get into an argument but she'll just like drop these little seeds because she thinks without this religion, my life is completely ruined, right? And I, I just wish people could see how you do you. You stay in your lane. And as long as it's helping you and you're making good decisions in life, 
that's fine. But mm-hmm. don't press upon a way of thinking on other people. You know, let them make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, when you said that, I thought of like the opposing part of the self-care. Some people, self-help, self-care, whatever you want to call it, is like distancing yourself from the the stuff that's put in your face in terms of religion or whatnot. That's how people care for themselves because they feel like it they may feel like it causes them some anxiety or a level of like I can't engage with this based on my past or based on whatever the case may be. So like that's how I'm gonna take care of myself. I am going to intentionally move away from this and move to something else so that I can figure out what works best for me. And it may not be um, a given religion or a spiritual practice at all. But in, for me to take care of myself, it doesn't always have to be around like this deity, this higher power and whatnot, like, um, which may be controversial for some people, but like at the end of the day, like I can't live for everybody else. Right. Like, like you said, I gotta be responsible for me um, and how I move about and how I choose to navigate the world. Right. Oh, that's really well said. So I have this article and I want to end this segment and talking about um, when self-help or when whatever you do goes too far. Because I think a lot of these things can help us, but if we go to the extreme with anything, nutrition or religion or maybe even yoga, I don't know what the yeah. bad side of yoga would be, but um, I kind of want to talk about... Okay, okay. I was trying to figure out how, when you said that earlier, I was like, when it goes, like, when it goes too far. Okay. Go for it. I I think I got it now. So I found this article in uh, the LA Times, and uh, the title is When Self-Improvement is Self-Destruction, the Four Warning Signs. Sorry, I'm a little stuffy, so bear with me. Keep your germs. You know, wash your hands. Drink, uh, take your meds. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the first sign is called, and I'm going to read a little bit of it. It's called Spiritual Bypassing. This term coined by a psychologist uh, is defined as the use of spiritual practices and beliefs to avoid dealing with our to avoid dealing with our painful feelings, unresolved wounds, and developmental needs. Can you mm. think of a time in your life, or just it doesn't have to be deep, but does that resonate with you in terms of? I mean, you run, you do other things. Have you ever used your self-help to kind of avoid those emotions yeah i think most people do um or maybe that's just me not wanting to be alone just to have a little attend to a vulnerable moment but i think that we distract ourselves and i have distracted myself with doing stuff or focusing so much on this thing or trying to identify a goal so i don't have to deal with the shit that's hard um but yeah i think I, I know I certainly do. I, for a point, I was using running as that because I can zone out on running. Like, I can run and, like, I can be listening to a podcast. I can run, listen to a podcast, and not think all at the same time, if that makes sense. But tell you everything that happened in the podcast, but have thought about <laughs> nothing um, with relation to my life. So I, I leave it over in the corner. I leave it, you know, at the corner before I, I take off running. Um, and then I pick it up when I get back. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that's a a thing that people do like to cope or to manage. Yeah. I think it, it can look lots of different ways. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I definitely resonate it. I think we had an episode about like shutting out your emotions or like, uh, what was the word? It was, it was a previous episode yeah. and we, we talked about this and you know, I definitely do that. I think, it's healthy to a certain extent to just get rid of that pain and yeah. focus on something that you love. But when it goes too far is when you uh, suppress it completely, yeah. you know? Um, well, when you don't handle it, like you put it in a box and the box and you never like open the box up, deal with the stuff and dismantle it. I think that's when it can go too far. Like when you ignore it and you think like, I'm never going to talk about this again. You, there's a part of like your subconscious that's making an active choice to like not deal with the pain that's there. Right. Um, and I, that part I don't think is the healthy part. Like, yeah, maybe you, you put it in a box for a little bit and then you like work through whatever mechanisms that you have, be it talk therapy or yoga as a practice to work through those things. But if you don't open that box back up and you leave it there to fester and mold and whatnot, I think that is part of the, the problematic piece. It becomes Pandora's box, essentially. Yeah. You know, 
So just really quickly, it gives a potential solution to people who go to the far side of this. Uh, and the article says, examine, examine your motives as you, uh, as you journey down the spiritual path. Spend some time in self-reflection and ask yourself, what are you really seeking and why? Hmm. All right, the second... That is, was really meta, but yeah. <laughs> uh, the second is lack of boundaries, which I think people in San Francisco have no boundaries. Uh, so no, say it, that again. <laughs> say, it, say it for the people in the back. No, you should have heard me the first time. You so. were doing this on Cover My Mouth in Nevada. So lack of boundaries. And the quest to grow... Uh, women in particular uh, become... Wait, why did it say women in particular? But because be- the world is trash against women, <laughs> regardless of when this article was written. Let's just call it what it is. Anywho. Uh, so in the quest to grow, become way too tolerant of other people's bad behavior, thinking that they are acting from a place of spiritual acceptance and compassion. This may manifest in staying in an unevolving relationship too long, accepting blame and criticism from narcissistic friends, or ceding too much authority to a spiritual teacher, even if the instructor's approach feels like manipulation or raises alarm bells. So we basically kind of just alluded to that a little bit, is I think some people press upon too much, Mm -hmm. and they worry about other people's behaviors Mm -hmm. and not themselves, Mm -hmm. right? They're not staying in their lane. Yeah. I think with the lack of boundaries, um, as a person who, like, I'm human, so sometimes I... I don't have as many boundaries as I, I want to. And then I get mad at myself for like falling prey to what other people suggest or, um, and that's a lot, that's a big thing for me. Like thinking that they're like, I need to take uh, seemingly more successful people that I put that in air quotes, successful people taking their opinion um, and moving with that rather than trusting myself. I put something out the other day that was like, if I didn't, there's more than one way to go about something. Um, and if our, and I'll just, I, I would quote it, but I want to pull it up right now. But like, if our ancestors as black people thought there was only one way to be free, that I would still be in captivity right now. Right. Because there's so many that. ways um, for us to explore that. So as I think about boundaries, I have to constantly check in with what those are. And like, sometimes you got to renegotiate those. Um, and you got to think like, is this actually what I want? And I'm not saying it's easy. Like you can just be like, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to change the boundary. I'm going to move the line. Um, it takes work. Um, but when you don't have those, you have the real strong potential to become somebody else's punching bag or whipping person or whatever you want to call because you're so susceptible to what other people say. So and true. that is a terrible place to be. And it does not feel good. Right. And I think there are certain people around us that we trust and we trust that they have an accurate judgment of us but Mm -hmm. i think we rely on other people's um you know they may not even know anything about what we do at work or they may be judging when they have no place to judge Mm because they have no expertise in that area Mm -hmm, but people mm -hmm. love to give criticism Mm -hmm. but they can't take it Mm -hmm. so well and like i think we as a people myself included on occasion think that people have the best of intentions um, and there is a friend of mine who used to be one of my staff members. We should probably have him on the show because he's back in the city. Um, oh, uh, AJ, that. shout out to AJ. I'll let him know that he's on the show. Um, but like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like there's lots of people out there who will say that they have good intentions for you or they only want the best for you. Um, but then we'll judge you when you make a decision that's uh-huh. not in line with what they think that you should do, let alone like they ain't paying their bill of yours at all and have no intentions to do so. So yeah, like I want to think that everybody has the best intention in mind for me, but I'm like, it, you, you're not me. Like at the end of it, you are, you're not making a decision for me. Again, you're not paying nary a bill in this house. Right. Um, and if I make a mistake, I have to own that for myself. So and this yeah. kind of reminds me of our respectability politics mm. kind of conversation. I think it goes hand in hand. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's go to the third one. There's two more. Guilt. Pretty self-explanatory, but it says, if your spiritual regimen includes a reward system or punishment, it's a bad sign. You shouldn't have to meditate for an hour, practice yoga every day, or eat 100% gluten-free and organic to learn that chocolate or that uh, pedicure you've been wanting is not... Uh, sorry. Uh 
Yes. Okay. So pedicure you've been wanting. So that's not self love or self. Somebody said too much mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Uh, that's not self love or self care. Uh, that is just um, giving the rewards and the punishments. So thoughts on that? Uh, putting guilt on ourselves for doing things that society says or may say is wrong or bad. I think a lot of times we. Uh, we have this uh, dichotomy of this is good, this is bad. If I'm doing something bad, I'm going to put this guilt on myself. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think it's totally a society thing. It's it's very much a, uh, a faith-based thing as well. Like even the idea as someone who's not Catholic, I know they do it like a confession thing. I don't know a ton about it. Um, but it's, I don't see it as any different in like, my former religious practice of former, I still go to church. What am I talking about? Former. Um, cause I will certainly uh, catch a spirit. I may not be hopping around, but I'm gonna catch a spirit every now and again, if it moves me. Um, Hey, Hey, <laughs> okay. Oh, Let me oh, stop. Don't start speaking. Let me tongues, stop. Please. Okay. No. So, um, we get another glass? <laughs> um, I, we may have to in a minute. Um, uh, but I think that, um, it's a tough place to be in, um, to feel that guilt and that you should, do something different. Um, I think that's also a natural thing. Um, just the way that humans are conditioned, like even the, the, the dichotomy of something being good versus something being bad. It's really a choice that you're making. You know what I mean? Like you're making a series of choices and they may lead you down like a less desirable place at the end, as opposed to a more desirable place at the other end. So I certainly have the guilty thing, not so much around food because I balance my working out. I'm like, oh, I work out a lot. There are days that I can eat like trash. I don't eat like terrible trash. Like I don't eat fast food, um, with exception to In and Out. Um, but Always the exception. Yeah, I was like the exception because we are on the West Coast. Um, but if I miss a workout, like. Do I, I do feel guilty about that? I will make it up. I always have a plan to like make it up uh, in in alignment with my goals because I have a, a certain goal amount that I want to reach for a given year. So I'm like, okay, if I don't do that, then I'm going to not meet my ultimate goal. So that's, right. there's still some, excuse me, some guilt in there. And why do you feel guilty? Um, because it's a commitment I made to myself. Okay. Like no one's, I didn't like put out like in 2017, I want to run this many miles. I didn't put that out to anybody. Well, I guess I just did now, but I didn't say the number. Um, but that's like, I made this commitment to myself that I want to see that I can achieve this because I achieved more than I thought last year. And so I want to achieve this for myself and to feel good and to have um, uh, this for me, a spiritual practice and be able to um, connect with my mind and my body um, and sometimes my soul and like have some clear thinking when I do that. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's very, there's no cash amount. There's no dollar amount at the end. I don't get anything special if I reach the goal or if I don't reach the goal. Right. Yeah. Maybe I should incentivize myself next year for that. Um, but yeah, there's certainly that, that guilt that's there. Um, and I don't actually know where it comes from. I mean, when I think about, I put guilt on myself all the time. I'm, I'm my own worst critic, right? Whether it's my art the work that I do, you know, being black in this world, we put mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on ourselves to, you know, be excellent. Mm-hmm. And I think my guilt comes from a lot of places, for myself, uh, for the community, because I think we try to set the bar really high. Oh. Uh, oh, oh, that could be another topic yeah. within itself. But there's no one to blame but me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the person who is putting that guilt. It used to come from my parents, but mm-hmm. I don't let my parents dictate what's success and what's not or what's right or what's wrong. Um, but I think having guilt is, it's a good checks and balances. Cause if you don't have any guilt for anything, then what are you, are you really learning from your mistakes? Yeah. I was going to really say, you said, yourself, you're not thinking you know? about the decisions that you made. So I was like, <laughs> right. that seems a little, maybe not as aware of what's going on. If you're like, I have no guilt. Like, I think there can be like a healthy guilt of like, okay, well let me think of where this decision may take me if I make this decision. Right. And maybe you don't care, which kudos to you for being that carefree. I don't uh, operate in that kind of life. So. And I never will, <laughs> you know? But even um, the narrative that we create around that, because um, I heard you say, like, I blame myself. And it's like, well, what are you blaming yourself for? First of all, most people, ain't nobody going to really know what your guilt is unless you tell us. True. You know what I mean? 
So myself included. Hello, I said like all this stuff like internal, but that's neither here nor there. So very, just very quickly, the last sign of when your self-help goes too far is one size fits all spirituality. Many think they need to adopt all the habits and practices of a spiritual teacher or self-help guru, whether it's Deepak Chopra or Tony Robbins. A good teacher should be meeting students at their level and seeing what they need rather than prescribing a spiritual formula. If mantras are your thing, great. If crystals seem to, too far out there, fine. So does that ring a bell? Yeah, I think that um, that's written slightly in an Americanized, like, you have to be your own, like, it's very individualistic how we operate in this country, but I don't necessarily see that as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, that would be silly to think one size of anything fits all. Like clothes that say, or hats that say one size fit all, don't even fit all as a person who has a, not the, a head that can fit in most things that say one size fit all, fits all. But um, yeah, I think everybody has to, I think it's helpful for everybody to pay attention to what works for them. Um, and do that like i'm not a person who i don't like yoga i don't like yoga at all i find it to be boring i find it to be too quiet and it hurts <laughs> <laughs> so rarely if ever i'm not gonna be like oh i want to try a, a yoga class except if it's trap yoga bay um i'll shout her I out i really want to try that oh my gosh it is it's fun. it is exhausting um we went for a friend's birthday it is exhausting Three minutes into this bitch, I was sweating on the mat. Like, I was dripping. And I sweat a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I was drenched by the time that we left. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to change into this other shirt that I brought as a backup. Um, but, yeah, that was hard work, and it was great. And she was cussing the whole time, and it was trap oh, music. Whatever okay. trap music is, don't ask me. Maybe pop in, too? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so it was so good. So that's the one yoga that I would, at some point, try again. Mm-hmm. Trap Yoga Bay, shout out. Um, but it was hard as fuck and I don't like it. So I'm like, why would I keep doing something that other people are like, I, it's just so calm. And then I was like, that's right. not what I want. But at least you tried it. Yeah. Right? I've tried it a few times. You know, people try to keep convincing me and I was like, first of all, I'm not paying for this. Um, second of all, I don't want to. And that's okay. So you got to draw a line somewhere. I mean, the white people can have it and they can keep it. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that definitely vibes with me. I think. Uh, we kind of talked about the feel it till you, uh, not uh, no, fake it till you feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think when we navigate what works for us, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, you know, I'll move from one thing to the next. And I get so many recommendations from friends, such as yourself, mm-hmm. on what works for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just put the idea out and maybe it clicks with people and maybe it doesn't. Yeah. You know? Or maybe they'll find a variation of what you suggest to other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I realize I was at the gym maybe like two or three weeks ago and I'm, you know, I'm on the treadmill. I got my headphones in. I'm listening to a podcast um, most of the time, unless it's the end of the run when I'm exhausted and then I turn on some like inappropriately like gangster rap, but <laughs> uh, that I would never want to play out loud uh, in the gym. But this lady walks up to me and I'm thinking, what does she want? I'm, I'm running. Leave me alone. I don't bother nobody. I don't talk to anybody at the gym. Um, and then she's, she came up she's like, I just want you to know. It was an older, an older white woman. She's like, I just want you to know that I'm really inspired by seeing you here every morning. Um, she's like, you're always, you appear to be in a zone and it really looks like you are focused and doing your thing. And she's like, I just, I really admire that. And I didn't even know what to say back besides thank you. But it's that like when you start to do those things, people are watching you right. engage in, in your mind, it might be your spiritual practice. They may not label it as that because they don't know you, but people are watching what you do. Mm-hmm. And so when you can focus your energies on yourself, there's other people around. I mean, I, I got homies in the gym now that, you know, they either fist bump or wave. I have no idea their names, but whatever. <laughs> They're there every morning right. at six. So but people are paying attention to that. And that gives other people permission to be like, okay, well, if she can be gross and sweaty on this treadmill, then I can be gross and sweaty on the treadmill too, you know? Mm-hmm. Or I can try, or I can be inspired or motivated by what I see out there. So I don't, by no means do I think there's a one size fits all, but when you're doing the things that feel good, right. you're inspiring other people without them saying it. Cause they're like, oh, well, he's just out here doing it. He's just out here dancing mm-hmm. and you know, shaking his tail feather. At the club, so maybe I can do too. And you be on the stage, so that's different than just like average person at the club. I'm assuming as a non-clubber, <laughs> right? But you're giving people permission to do that, right? And I think that's really important when I think about our my role as being being you know a black queer man. 
there's not a lot of us in the city. Mm-hmm. And so I believe in what I do in education and the different environments that I'm in. I'm giving people permission to say, oh, he's thriving out here. Mm-hmm. Let me stay out in San Francisco a little bit longer and see what you know the city has to offer me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I definitely agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to wrap this up. Any take-home points? Um, let's see. I think it's the idea of self-help, self-care, um, self-love is, is an individual experience, but I, I encourage folks to not be afraid to bring this topic up with people that are important to you. Not that they're going to make the decision for you or that you need their, their insight or influence, but start to talk to people about this, you know? Um, I feel like there are so many times where we, we sit in a row or we read all these articles and we don't, we don't chat about them with anybody. We don't, you know, create the space for ourselves to bring it up. And if you feel like you're with a group of people or with a friend that doesn't jive with it, talk to somebody else about it. You will find somebody else to have these type of conversations with and grow and learn from each other. Right. Um, self-help, self-care, self-love does not have to, you don't have to go it alone. You know what I mean? Like, Find your community, find people that you feel like you connect with, um, and start talking about it. I think we do these things in the shadows and like, I don't want to tell anybody because it sounds, right? It sounds hokey. Like are people, do people actually do this? Am I the only one thinking or reading this stuff? And you're not. But I think we're, we, our ego says, I can't talk about this because this could be vulnerable if, you know, if I catch an emotion or a feeling about it. So I say start to talk about it and figure out what works for you. And if you don't like it, do something else. You're not stuck. You're not a tree. You're not planted in the ground. Do something else. If that doesn't work, do thing number three and keep going until you feel like there's something that's connecting for you. Right. Oh, that was really well said. (laughs) Um, I don't even need to say anything. It's the mimosa. Hey. Hey. Um, Yeah, just really quickly, I think self-help is for the individual and i think yeah maybe we have a duty to share that with other people but respect other people's process and the journey Mm -hmm. on what works for them um because i can really be into beyonce and say beyonce needs to be in your life yes well that's the the way she's the the truth well no she's not but you know what i mean I would say probably Beyonce is the only thing that I would press upon people. I will literally get into bar arguments about Beyonce. But uh, that's probably the only thing I won't flex. But um, yeah, just respect the process. And um, if you're open, you might learn something from that as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So, okay. We are going to take a much needed break. We'll be right back. We are back for Boss Ass Bitch and Bitch Ass Boss of the Week. We're just going to dive right into the last segment and skip Ask a Boss. But if you have any questions, please email us your questions, your thoughts, your concerns, your prayers, uh, your money to... <laughs> your head, coin, to if you will. Headbosspodcast at gmail.com. So I actually have a lot to um, say. Um, there was a lot in the news the past couple weeks, but I'll try to be brief. Um, so my boss, oh no, I'll start with the bitches. So bitch to, um, this lady by the name of Denise Young-Smith, who used to work at Apple. She was the head of diversity, um, she was the VP of inclusion and diversity at at Apple. And part of her job is to go around. (laughs) I remember the first part of the story, because I remember being like, I'm sorry, what, sis? (laughs) You should have seen Shamina's face right now. She's just like waiting for it. So um, she was doing a summit at uh, at Columbia, and um, something that she said in terms of how she defines diversity uh, broke out, and it caused a lot of ruckus. And I'm just gonna uh, briefly uh, say what she said. What she said at the the summit: diversity is the human experience. The Apple executive said. I get a little bit frustrated when diversity or the term diversity is tagged to to the people of color or the women or LGBT. There can be 12 white, blue-eyed, blonde men in a room, and they're going to be diverse too because they're going to bring a different life experience and life perspective to the conversation. (sighs) Yeah. So you you know where this is going. So fast forward. (laughs) Fast forward. Um, And this was about mid-October. She issued an apology 
Um, and I'm not going to read it, but I'll put the link in the bio. But despite the apology, um, she was let go of her position um, because Apple does not want to uh, continue, of course, uh, or not even continue, but they don't want a head of diversity that is pretty much supporting white, eye, <laughs> white, white, uh, white blue-eyed people and saying that, um, yeah, they're not going to support that. So she actually has another job. I'm surprised that someone else took her. That quickly. That really quickly. She had no break in service. But just bitch to her. She's a black woman. I'm just like, oh, why must you do this to our, our community? So bitch to her and bitch to whoever has to work with her next. I'm sorry. Um, my next bitch. Oh, actually, I have no more bitches. They're all bosses. So oh, that, that's the good you. stuff. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Yes, I said it. Kim Kardashian has done something <laughs> very great for humanity that has nothing to do with um, how she looks or maybe a sex tape or all of that. Um, so I hope all of you know that um, there's this woman by the name of Syntonia Brown who has been in prison for quite some time, ever since she was a little girl. Um, she was a victim of... Um, uh, What's that word? Trafficking. She was a victim of uh, trafficking, and she um, had the opportunity to get away, and she killed her her captor. And she was sentenced to uh, 21 years in prison. So um, her case is back open, and um, obviously this is a very controversial controversial case, but Kim Kardashian uh, donated all her money to pay for the legal fees for this little girl. And I think that's amazing. Um, we don't really have a lot of really good laws to protect folks from um, uh, sex trafficking. And of course, you have this little girl who is in a miserable place mm -hmm. and getting sentenced to 21 years to try to protect yourself when a white man who sexually assaults whoever gets scot-free, right? So. Um, this will be a very, you know, a landmark case, and I'm really excited to hear the, you know, how this turns out. And we know where Kim Kardashian comes from. Um, she, of course, had a father who was a lawyer, so I think she's assembling a really good team for this little girl. So, all right, and just very quickly, I'm just going to do shout-outs. Um, Big Frida, I am right now on season two, or season three of her, uh, <laughs> her show. You already know. Um, she's amazing. I love her. I've seen Here her in concert, it. but I just love, um, I just love hearing um, um, just her talk and her process and the, just the drama on the show. Um, she's hilarious, um, but she also has a big heart, so... Uh, watch the show. It's really great. All six seasons are on Hulu. Um, and by the way, Hulu is not sponsoring this. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Um, Meghan Markle, mm -hmm. congratulations. We have officially infiltrated the royal family. Right. Um, I'm just really excited for a black woman, uh, Meghan Markle, who is also an actress. She grew up in Compton, and she found love. And now she's with Prince Harry. Um, and now we're going to have see beautiful black children all across mm -hmm. <laughs> the, um, the, the royal family. So I'm really excited about that. And then lastly, um, I actually want to give a shout out to one of my mentors. Okay. Michael Lamfitt, uh, who was a big mentor of mine when I was in college. And every time I go back home in Boston, um, we always have dinner and catch up. But I just want to give out a shout out to him specifically because he's such a good listener. And, you know, you, I think most of us have those people in our lives where we can just say anything and they'll be there. And whether or not we're looking for advice or looking for a solution, they know how to make you feel good. Right. So uh, we had a really nice dinner. It was like probably three or four hours. We can talk forever. But I really needed him at that point. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just really thankful for him. Oh, so shout out, shout to, out him. to Michael, and he listens to the show too. Oh, hey. So. <laughs> um, so I have several bitches and two bosses. So I'll move through it. Um, bitch to Matt Lauer, who was oh, the former Lord. Today Show um, main host, but also co-host. Um, he's the latest in the ongoing saga of powerful men. Um, 
I was almost going to say powerful white men, but there's been some men of color that have come up and showing they ass too. Um, but powerful men who's engaged in um, egregious acts, um, both in um, sexual harassment and also sexual actual sexual misconduct. Um, and one of the stories that has been floating around, and he was fired from, um, was it? I think it's NBC or CBS. I can't remember which one. Um, because uh, I don't have live TV, so I don't actually watch. I just saw the news kind of blow up um, earlier this week. Um, one of the stories was floating around that he gave a coworker a sex toy as a gift and then included a note in it and talking about how he wanted to use the sex toy on that female employee. And it says something pretty big for them to, after one allegation, um, to immediately fire. Because normally they'd put you on some sort of like fake paid right. leave and then they do an investigation and maybe you would come back and maybe you wouldn't. But it sounds like there were um, a few major news outlets that were preparing to like roll out some stories related to him. Mm-hmm. And then the, the network that he was a part of got wind of it. And so they were like, we have reason to believe that there's more women that will come forward. And there have been more women that have come forward. Um, an additional bitch to him because he then gave some sort of fake apology and says, I'm working on myself, blah, 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 like they all do. Um, and then had the nerve to say he was um, requesting a $30 million severance package um, because he was fired. And the network was quick to say, yeah, no. No. Um, so we'll see how that actually, like, it fully ends out. But I was like, how are you going to do all this? Not say you didn't do it. And then be like, well, I should still get $30 million. Like, if that ain't privilege, I don't know what is. Um, so the second bitch is to the GOP as a whole. So um, we are recording on a Saturday. Not a shocker. Um, and last night was um, the um, tax. Uh, there was a tax bill that was going in front of the Senate um, to be voted on. And there are a number of things that will literally affect every single person in this country. For the most part, it's going to affect most of the country in a piss poor way. Um, but it was, um, I labeled it as a trash ass tax bill. Um, it had 479 pages to it and then they gave it to the Senate, uh, gave it to the folks in the Senate, um, maybe three hours or so before they were supposed to vote on it. Um, there were, um, a number of trashy pieces in it, and I'll, I'll uh, label out a few of the, the outcomes of it, but one, one of the pieces that um, individuals who own private jets were not to be taxed on the jet, the maintenance, etc. And I'm like, now how, now who was that for? Right. Like, real talk, who was that for? Um, there were um, amendments that were written, handwritten in the margins that were illegible, and there were like senators showing this stuff like on their Facebook and you like you could you don't even have to zoom in. And I'm like, who writes this stuff on something that's supposed to be like an right. actual bill that's going forward and should be formal. And people have not had a chance to have hearings on this. There's been no space available for public comment. Um, and the GOP generally sucks. Um, so a few things. Um, it's essentially full of exemptions for the wealthy. Hello. I, I, I mean, I recently sold my private jet, so I can only be so mad. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it increases the national debt um, significantly when there were like, we all knew that the campaign promises that came from 45 were bullshit anyway. Um, and then let's see, let's see, there's scheduled to be ongoing and if not immediate medic cuts to Medicare, welfare and Social Security. Um, which we all know will uh, directly affect the most marginalized folks and a large, significantly large number of people of color. So if you didn't know that the DOP didn't care about you before, you certainly know now by the way that they voted. Mm-hmm. And even trash to all of the, um, the Republican slash GOP senators that were like, I'm speaking out against this. This vote was a party line vote, which means right. like all of those people who were like, this is trash, I'm a Republican, I can't do this to my constituents, voted yes. It was a 51-50 vote, like right down the party line. Um, so I, so essentially this whole thing is about greed and piss poor math because a bunch of math, bunch of the math was shitty. Um, oh and then the greed as you think about the wealthy that benefit from that. The other two quick um, uh, bitches are Puerto Rico still ain't got full power and Flint still has unclean water. Anywho, moving right along. So head boss, 
Um, shout out to Ann Curry. Ann Curry was a former ho- co-host with Matt Lauer, who was fired for a, m- mm-hmm. more or less not getting along with Matt Lauer on the show. This was several years ago. Um, okay. He was the lead anchor. She was brought on, and she was only there for about a year. She had a very tearful, like, goodbye message on the show where he, like, fake gave her support for leaving the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she has essentially responded with such poise and grace around this, because I know she thinks he thinks and knows that he's trash. And I'm just going to read the quote that she said. She said, the, um, so professional, like, so professional, mm-hmm. um, woman of color. Um, she says, this women's movement got us into the workplace, but it didn't make us safe once we got there. And the battle lines are now clear. We need to move this revela- uh, revolution forward and make our workplaces safer. Corporate America is quite clearly failing to do so. And unless it does something to change that, we need to keep doing more ourselves. And I was like, mm. Ugh, another woman of color rising mm. to the occasion. And I just really appreciate that. Um, and she's been the one that's most in the news, and they haven't, I, to my knowledge, as of this morning, they haven't identified who was the initial person who provided the report to um, the human resources um, at mm. the network. Um, the second and final head boss that I have is um, for the team that put together the movie Coco that works with Pixar. Um, uh, it's an amazing story, super great. It came out just before um, the Thanksgiving, actual Thanksgiving day, uh-huh. maybe a day or two. Um, it's a story of a young boy who essentially found his calling in music, um, but runs up against family expectations. But the whole story revolves around an understanding of Dia de los Muertos. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really, really well done. Um, first of all, cinematically, it is beautiful. It's a animation, right? Yes. So many colors, such precise and fine art. It is emotional. Um, as a person who doesn't really cry at movies, animated or not, like mm. I was in there like, <laughs> um, it was so good. I can't think of a dry eye in the entire place. Really? Uh, it was so, like, we were sitting next to, I'm sitting next to my wife and then her, um, her dad, my father-in-law was sitting there. He was sniffling. Everybody behind us was sniffling. It was such a beautifully done story and stories that we don't hear about, um, Latinx folks. Um, so if you haven't seen it, please go out and see it. Please go to support it. Mm -hmm. You should also know, unfortunately, there's, um, I'm not a big fan of Frozen, um, but there's a long motherfucking, like, I thought it was going to be a short, it was like 30 fucking minutes before Coco actually started. So I'm going to let you do the, um, the social justice narrative around why you had to center, Mm -hmm. um, Frozen for 30 minutes before Coco even started because I show enough got up and went to the front desk and I was like I we bought tickets for Coco and like this is frozen too like uh are we in the right theater and she's like yeah they just didn't roll it out like everybody's been asking that and I was like okay I guess I'll watch it because I'm here but aside from that Coco fantastic movie I'd heard about it minimally before Mm -hmm. um so amazingly well done so if you get a chance check it out um, so yeah, those are my head bosses and head bitches and I'm out this motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> I really need to go see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really into animations, but Me if neither. an animation is really good, then I gotta go you, see it. The story okay. was so good and really unpredictable. Yeah. So. That's cool. So that ends our episode. Thank you for listening. Um, please check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Uh, email us your questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. And we also want to know how we're doing, so leave us reviews, leave us comments, send us D pics. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, that's a no. no. That's no, a firm no. Don't no. do that. Um, Please don't clutter our inbox no. with that. Because we both check that inbox, and no thank you. Um, and um, remember to uh, check us out on our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And we need to activate that Instagram yeah. soon. So. That'll be coming soon. Soon. All right, y'all. See ya in a couple weeks. All right.